Amen, and what a blessing. I've very much enjoyed uh, these young people uh, coming and playing the piano, and uh, we've got a lot of them taking lessons right now and uh, training up another generation of piano players, and so that, uh, that is such a blessing. I've known uh, a lot of churches that uh, don't even have one piano player, and we've been blessed, and uh, Brother Ho, I didn't realize you played uh, so well, and uh, that's a blessing. So we've been blessed with a lot of lot of good piano players, and and uh, then we send Miss Marcia up uh, to uh, play up in Truchas, and she does so well, and has played in the Spanish ministry, and uh, so that's uh, that's just a great uh, great encouragement, great blessing. Isn't it good to be in church? Uh, I like coming to church, and uh, church is one of my favorite places to be. I uh, like uh, church, and I need church. I need to be involved in church. And uh, was as a, a junior in high school, I was baptized the day before my junior year in high school. I was actually saved in junior high, but uh, baptized the day before my junior year in high school. And uh, with that baptism was a vow in my heart that I wanted to be faithful in church. And God had dealt with my heart. I was baptized, uh, not scripturally, in fourth grade. I wasn't saved. And uh, God began to deal with my heart after I got saved that uh, uh, I believe the Bible teaches baptism is after salvation and uh, followed the Lord in, in baptism and uh, just the joy of, uh, of obeying the Lord. But that commitment, that vow uh, to be in church. And, and I can say I would not be here tonight had it, had it not been for uh, churches that, uh, that God used in my life and uh, the, the friends, the fellowship, the uh, just the, the encouragement, it's, uh, it's like a, I think several of the young people mentioned a threefold, threefold cord is not easily broken. And uh, we can't do it on our own. We need uh, the fellowship of, of other Christians and uh, very crucial. Uh, let's go in our Bibles tonight to the book of Numbers uh, chapter 25, Numbers chapter 25. And uh, we're going to uh, skip around just a little bit this evening. And uh, I was actually going to go a different direction. God put something uh, differently upon my heart last night, uh, kind of in the middle of the night. And uh, so I'm going to share with you uh, just uh, kind of the direction that the Lord, uh, Lord dealt with my heart about. And evidently, uh, this is uh, for somebody uh, here tonight, and it's always for me and in my heart. And, and uh, so we need, need what God has given to us. Uh, let's look at Numbers chapter 25. If you'll stand with me, I want to read just a few verses. And uh, this is not really uh, the section that we're going to preach from, but I want you to kind of get the, the context here uh, this evening. Numbers chapter 25. Uh, look at uh, verse 6 with me. In verse number 6, Behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now God has convicted the children of Israel. They have sinned against the Lord. And uh, they've been involved in, in both uh, fornication and idolatry. Uh, as a result, God has chastened them. God has disciplined them. And uh, they're weeping now before the door of the tabernacle. And uh, one boldly and blatantly uh, comes with a Midianitish woman in their presence. And uh, verse 7 says, When Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel, and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. There was an immediate judgment that came, a slaying of that sin in their midst that took place. 
Now the word of God says those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. Now we skip down to the end of the chapter in verse number 16. And uh, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites, and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of, uh, of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. I want to stop here, and, and uh, it'll take me just a little while to build the direction that we're going to go so you get the context. And, and really, the message doesn't even apply so much to the context, but I'll explain it. It fits and, uh, and hopefully can, can help us and be a blessing here tonight. Join me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Uh, you are so good to us, and thank you for the privilege that we have to be in this place tonight. And Lord, uh, I just thank you for each one faithfully coming out, just service after service. And uh, I don't take that lightly. And Lord, I pray that uh, every time that we meet here at Valley Bible Baptist, uh, that we would meet in your presence, that we would understand your holiness and your power and your might. And Lord, as we meet here tonight, you know the need of every individual. And we're asking you, uh, just through your word and by your spirit, to minister to the very point of need. And God, will thank you, we'll praise you for what you do and accomplish this evening. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask, amen. And uh, you may be uh, seated this evening. And uh, really, the, the context that I wanted you to grasp a hold of here is we're in the midst of a, a time of, uh, of great failure with the children of Israel. Uh, they, have, they have tremendously failed in this passage of Scripture. They were involved, and you go back to chapter 25, we didn't read this, uh, but look at verse number 1. Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people into the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods, and Israel joined himself to Baal Peor of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So uh, you see here in this context, they have miserably failed the Lord. We preached on both the sexual immorality, the sexual sin uh, that is so prevalent and prominent across the United States of America. And I believe the judgment of God as a result is coming upon uh, the house of God across America. Many claiming the name of Jesus Christ, yet living in the midst of sexual sin and sexual immorality, and thus not having the touch of God or the power of God upon their life. And so we see that with the children of Israel, and because of that sexual sin, they are led into idolatry, where they begin to worship the false gods of the Moabites. And so we see that uh, these are, are horrible thoughts, horrible sins against God. Now remember, this is the nation that God would not allow Balaam to curse. Uh, this is the nation that has a relationship with God. And so God would not allow Balaam to curse that which God had blessed. And that's the picture of the fact that an individual who is saved is saved forever. They're kept by the power of God and nothing can break that bondage uh, with the Lord. However, sin uh, will break the fellowship. And that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. Their fellowship with God was broken. The result is God chastised them severely. 24,000 were killed by the plague. We read there in verse number, uh, verse number 9. And then after the chastening of God, uh, we find that the presence of God was restored to the children of Israel. 
And now God here at the end of the chapter tells them to smite the Moabites and they did so as you read on through the next uh, chapters and you'll find as they did so Balaam, this false prophet that encouraged Balak in the direction to lead Israel to sin, Balaam was killed in this war that uh, came against the Midianites uh, along with five kings of the Midianites. They were, they were slain as God brought judgment upon that nation that had led them into sin. Now what we find as we move on in the next chapters, God prepares them to enter the promised land. And God in the next chapters gives them special instructions. And we want to in the future come back and look at some of those special instructions uh, for the promised land. And as we enter from Canaan or from the wilderness into the promised land. Now God reminds them if you go forward just for a moment to chapter 33. In chapter 33 God reminds them in chapter 33 of all of the places in their journey. We come to chapter 33 and verse number 1. And it reads, These are the journeys of the children of Israel which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And God now in, in this chapter goes back all the way to the time in Egypt and God's deliverance from Egypt. And then you look through this particular chapter and you'll find all the names of the places by which God led them. Now look, for example, in chapter 33, verse number 5. Uh, and the children of Israel removed from Ramses, this is in Egypt, and pitched in Sakath, And they departed from Sakath and pitched in Etham, which is in the edge of the wilderness. And they removed from Etham and turned to Paharath, which is before Baal-Zephon. And they pitched before Migdal, and they departed from before Paharath, and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness, and went three days' journey in the wilderness of Etham, and pitched in Marah. And they removed from Marah, came to Elam, and in Elam were twelve thousand of water and three score and ten palm trees and they pitched there and now we read through this chapter all of the various places in which they placed or they pitched their tent or they tabernacled in the wilderness and God uh, recounts every single one of these now there were many stops and many memories this is like looking back on 40 years of your life if you're in the military and have moved from place to place to place to place, it's like uh, military journeys in your life. And so they're looking back over all of the particular places through which God has led them. In those memories, there were good times and there were bad times. In chapter 33, verse number 49, this is where we are at this point. And they pitched by Jordan from Beth Jeshemoth, uh, even unto Abel Shittim in the plains of Moab. Now this is where we are. This was their final stop. This is where fornication and idolatry were committed. This is where the Midianites through the council of Balaam deceived them. We come to chapter 33 and then look with me in verse number 50. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their pictures, and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land while therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families, and to the more 
more you shall give, the more inheritance. To the fewer you shall give, a less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his light falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers shall you inherit. And so God is now telling them, uh, you've come all of this journey. I brought you here to this final stop. And now I'm preparing you to take you into the promised land, to this land that I have given to you. And in the book of, of jo uh, Joshua, uh, God brought them across Jordan into the promised land, just as God said. And I said all of that to get to where we are tonight. You see, in our wilderness journeys, I hope you'll grab a hold of this. Don't ever, 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 ever quit. You keep on keeping on. Through the good times, through the bad times, you keep pressing toward the, the promised land. You keep pressing toward that land that for us illustrates the victorious Christian life. In the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse number 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. See, those that pressed on made it to the land a promise. Through all of the failures of the wilderness journey, those that pressed on made it to the victorious Christian life. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 58. It is located at the end of the resurrection chapter of the Bible. First part of this chapter is proving the fact of the resurrection. We serve today a living Savior. And we serve a Savior that not only has resurrected, but the Savior is coming again. And the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. At the end of that chapter that is telling about the coming of Jesus Christ, that in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise. At the end of that chapter... Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so this is the thought that I want to take, just looking at the children of Israel. They continued pressing on through the good times, through the bad times. They came to this final stop. At this final stop, they failed miserably. God God chastened them. Uh, they got it right. They got it under the blood. And the next thing we know, God is preparing them to enter into the land of victory. And so don't ever quit. Now, just uh, bring this down to our lives. Uh, don't quit when others fail. During the wilderness journeys, the children of Israel, there were many that failed. There were many that quit. There were many that fell. One of the stops in chapter 33, the ten spies, where they entered into the promised land, they came back with an evil report, and God brought judgment. But there was Joshua and Caleb who said, if the Lord be for us, we can conquer this land. And so God blessed Joshua and God blessed uh, Caleb uh, because of their faith. And God said that they, uh, because they pressed on, would be able by faith to enter into the promised land. 
uh, in part of those stops along the journeys, there were uh, men named Korah, Dathan, and Abiram that rose up against Moses and Aaron. And God brought judgment upon them and those that joined in their company. Uh, we read in chapter 25 of Zimri and Cosby and the death of 24,000 that fell into immorality. Uh, we find that many did wrong, many failed, but here's the principle, uh, you're to keep pressing on. Keep on, keeping on. See, those that are going to live a victorious Christian life must press on even when others fail. I had experience in high school. Uh, God had, had burdened my heart for our youth group, and I began to gather, uh, to gather uh, youth, and we went on a, on a youth retreat. Uh, we went up into the mountains uh, not far from where I grew up. We took about 25 from my high school up to, the, up to the mountains and for this youth retreat. And on that youth retreat, many of them gave there were many commitments that were made, and God worked in a, a wonderful way. Uh, but as we got into that, uh, that was my junior year of high school, uh, the summer before. As we got into that junior year in high school, multitudes of those that up on the mountaintop made a commitment down in the valley, they didn't live by that commitment. And so God dealt with my heart. You just keep on keeping on. Uh, even many adults... They were in the church, grew disgruntled at a point, and they dropped away. And many of those adults, as they dropped away, took their families out of church. I made a commitment. I said I was baptized the day before my junior year in high school. There's a commitment to be faithful in church. That first, I was baptized on a Sunday night. That first Wednesday night in church, this was a church that would run about 80, 85 on a Sunday morning. Uh, that first Wednesday night, there were six people in church. There was the pastor, the pastor's wife, the pastor's daughter. There was an older man and his mother, and there was myself, six people. Now, I was a little discouraged. I made that commitment. I assumed everybody would be in church and uh, to see that not even Sunday school teachers were in church. That, that broke my heart. But God dealt with my heart. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. You do what I put upon your heart. And just keep on keeping on. Uh, later in college, uh, there was a large group that joined the church where I was at, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, 50, 75 freshmen that uh, joined the church. The pastor uh, gave a challenge to all of the freshmen. And I remember well that, that very, it was like the very first Sunday uh, where all of these had joined uh, from the summertime, that church. And it was a large group and that pastor pulled us all aside and he said, uh, if this is a typical group that we've had to come through, he said, I want you to look to the right hand, look to the left hand, and one of the two people, if this is a typical group that uh, has come through, one of the two that you've looked at by the time you are seniors is going to fall by the wayside. And I thought to myself, that can never happen. This is a group and they love the Lord. Well, the pastor was wrong, but he was wrong in the opposite direction. It was actually much worse than that. I would say maybe one out of five, one out of four is all that continued faithfully through the senior year. And so I saw this and God continued to deal with my heart. Just keep on keeping on. 
you're going to find that uh, there will be those that uh, are going to fall by the wayside and you just have to do what's right no matter what anybody else does. And uh, you will see pastors and youth leaders and teachers and uh, faithful workers that uh, will fall away, but your eyes cannot be upon people. Your eyes must be upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you must look to Jesus. You must get your eyes Upon the Lord, I will tell you this, people will fail, but never, 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 never will Jesus ever fail you. And if your eyes are upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you can look to the Lord and be steadfast because Jesus walks by your side. And so don't quit when others around you may fall. I would also express this thought. Don't quit when you fall. Or fail. That's very important. See, the wilderness journey is a battle. It's a war. It's a real war. And in the battle, we get roughed up sometimes. Uh, Numbers chapter 33. Many of the steps represented a time of failure. And during those times of failure, God would spank the children of Israel, and then the Lord would dust them off and move them forward. And that's really a picture. God uses the children of Israel as a picture of the Christian life. And in those wilderness journeys, there are going to be some times that you're going to fall flat on your face. And there are going to be some times that the Lord disciplines you. And the Bible teaches, Hebrews chapter 12, that the Lord disciplines those that He loves. And this is a testimony of God's love for you and if you're saved here tonight God will never ever let go of you and the Bible teaches the righteous man or the just man will fall seven times but he riseth again and so you can't keep a good man down you'll find in the Bible many of the great men of God at a point in their life miserably failed but they got back up I look at Abraham there was a time with Abraham and Hagar. It was in the flesh and not the will of God. The result was Ishmael, the seed of the flesh, and we find many consequences that came from that, but God picked Abraham up, dusted him off, and moved him forward. And Abraham was now the father of Isaac, and we call Abraham the father of faith, and we see the very height of Abraham's faith in Genesis chapter 22, where he offered his son Isaac upon the altar as a sacrifice. I think of Moses. He killed the Egyptians. He did so in the flesh. Spent 40 years on the backside of the wilderness. God disciplined him, but God dusted him off and put him back, and Moses becomes the tool that God uses to deliver the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. God prepared his servant even through his own failure on the backside of the wilderness. David miserably failed with Bathsheba and Uriah. And yet in Psalm 51, David cried out unto the Lord, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And God washed his sin clean. There were consequences, but David rose above that and was greatly used of God, a man after God's own heart. I've often told people the thing that made the difference in David's life. He was a good repenter. And then there was Peter. Oh, Peter. He denied the Lord three times. He even cursed. I don't know him. And uh, the Lord had to chase and discipline Peter. But as Peter went out and wept bitterly, the Bible tells us it's very clear he got right with God. And in John chapter 
chapter 21, the Lord chose Peter and sent Peter to be the very tool on the day of Pentecost when over 3,000 are saved. So it's very clear. God tells us to get And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, I said Proverbs 24, 16, a just man falleth seven times, but he riseth again. Say, a saved man doesn't quit. And always precious to see a baby learning to walk, isn't it? I love to see a baby as that baby is learning to walk, and they take a lot of spills, and they fall. Aren't you glad that a baby doesn't stay down? He gets back up and he learns to walk. Oh, many times I've been like that baby in my Christian life and I've fallen and God gets you back up and he dusts you off and he sets you back and he's teaching and guiding you. I had a football coach that used to tell us, I said, boys, they're going to tackle you sometimes and it's going to hurt when they tackle you. But he said, you get back up and you keep on running and you don't let the other team ever know that you're hurting. He used to say that to us. I was reading about the Notre Dame football coach. He was scouting, this was years ago, he was start, uh, scouting a star linebacker. So he took one of his scouts with him to a game where this star high school linebacker was going to be playing. And so in the midst of the game, the Notre Dame coach makes the statement, and he said, boy, this guy is tremendous. And uh, the other scout says, I, I know it, coach. Uh, are you going to go and offer him a scholarship? He says, I, I'm not talking about the linebacker. I'm talking about the running back from the other team. He says, coach, but the linebacker that we're here to scout, he tackles him every time. But he said, have you noticed, this coach said, have you noticed that every time he gets tackled, he gets back up and he just keeps on coming? And if you'll notice, he doesn't have as good a team as this other guy has. And he said, I want to recruit both of them. And so the Notre Dame coach offered his full scholarship to both players, the running back from the other team, the linebacker from this uh, champion team. And uh, they went on to win a national championship with these two guys as key players. They were guys that wouldn't quit, wouldn't give up. And so the old devil's going to knock you down sometimes. But get back up. Don't quit. Don't quit when you fail. Get it under the blood and go back. Get back up. Get into the battle. He also say tonight, don't quit when the way gets treacherous. Numbers chapter 33. Oh, it represents as you go through all of the various places where the children of Israel uh, were located. Uh, represented many difficult times in the journeys of the children of Israel. As you to go... A chapter, you will find the waters with the bitter waters. And you would find then that God gave the waters of Elam. You would find times in the wilderness journeys where there was no water. You would find times where there was no food. You would find times where the enemy would attack. But never, never did God fail them. You'll find in all of those times, God brought them through every single difficulty. And that's what your Christian life is going to be. It's going to be a path of up. And down of difficulties, of war, no water, uh, no food, a treacherous time. Every Christian life is going to face those hard times. Uh, there will be in the wilderness journeys times of spiritual drought. Uh, there will be times of spiritual hunger. Uh, there will be times in your wilderness journeys you read the Bible and it doesn't make sense. Uh, there are going to be times where it's boring. There are going to be times you don't want to go to church. There are going to be times you don't want to read the Bible. There are going to be times uh, people are going to talk about you. There are going to be times people are going to 
let you down. There are going to be times that the war is bigger than you can handle. Uh, there are going to be treacherous times in your wilderness journey, but don't ever quit. You keep on Amen. pressing toward the land of promise. You just keep going. See, God will never fail you. Never. Not once. Not once. All of these stops. Not one time could the children of Israel ever say that God let them down. Now, there were times they murmured and they griped and they complained. But in the midst of it all, God gave water from the rock. God gave manna from heaven. And God put his shield about them. And God gave them the Holy Spirit or represented by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And God was with them in all of the journey. And he... See, you'll find in the Bible, those that God used are the most difficult of circumstances. Uh, for example, David. Anointed as the king of Israel, but before he was ever given that kingship officially, Saul would seek to take his life. You would find David fleeing for his life in the wilderness, at times hiding in caves, at times uncertain as to whether he would live another day. There was Joseph that would face the rejection of his own brothers. And Joseph that would be sold into slavery by his brothers. And Joseph then falsely accused and thrown into the prison house. And God would use all of that to mold in the life of Joseph. He would never quit. And then Paul, the great apostle, would face prison and beatings and shipwrecks and times of almost death and hunger and cold, as he described, and rejection. And even in Paul's life, you get to the end of his life in 2 Timothy, as the letter he writes, and he said, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I, I fought a good fight. He said, I'm, I'm ready to be offered. And he said, I know the Lord, the righteous judge, is going to be, give me a crown of life. And so Paul's able to say this at the end of his life. But you read through 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, he said, all they of Asia have turned away from me. He says in 2 Timothy, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He said in 2 Timothy, at my first answer, no man stood with me. He's describing all of these details that he's facing. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. These are difficulties that Paul faced in his Christian life. But he didn't quit. He kept on keeping on. He fought. So the thought for you tonight is don't ever, ever, ever quit when the way gets difficult. Don't quit because of discouragement. Don't quit because of disappointment. Don't quit because of difficulty or disillusionment or defeat. Don't ever, ever, ever quit. Others may fall. Don't quit. You may fail. Get back up. Don't quit. The journey is going to be treacherous. Don't quit. Difficulties. Don't quit. Just kind of curious, how many of you know Louie? You were with us, Andrew. You were with us. David, Luke were with us. The six-hour journey in Haiti. How many of you were there with us? We had 11 men and uh, several, Louis, you were there. Uh, 
11 of us uh, hiking back into the mountains in Haiti. We didn't intend to walk so far, but as we were driving, and it was six hours uh, on old dirt, bumpy, uh, bad roads. I think if you look at a map in those six hours we traveled, it was like 35 miles. It took us a long time back on those old roads there in Haiti. We got into some rain. The bus that we were traveling on got stuck. So they tell us uh, we're going to have to walk. So here are we as Americans, all of our stuff. I mean, we got stuff. We got junk. Uh, we had more stuff than, than all of the Haitian. Here we're going to go up there for three or four days, and we got all of this food and all of the luxuries and uh, cell phones. No, we didn't, we didn't have cell phones. We have all the junk that we as Americans carry. And so we're, we're in the rainstorm. Uh, we're hiking back into the, into the, or toward the mountain where we're going to have this revival meeting. And as we're hiking, the rain is coming down. And so we, we're going to make it to a particular place and cross the river. And, and just across the river, it's just a little bit further to the, to the little village where we were going to have this meeting. Well, we get to the river, and because of all the rain, the river is swollen. And there's no way that all of us Americans are going to make it across the river. Now, we had the village there. They're trying to push us. I think they wanted our stuff. They knew if we crossed the river, we're going to float down and drown, and they get all of our stuff. And so they're trying to push us across. But uh, we determined we, we can't make that. And so we began to trek along the edge of the river, and it's getting nightfall, and the rain continues to come, and it's getting dark and dark and dark and we're tired and we're hungry, and uh, we don't know where we are. We're in a strange, strange land, and we're hiking along this mountain. And Brother Fox, in the middle of this, uh, fell into a ravine and uh, kind of hurt himself just a little bit. And, and we walked on, and we kept asking the Haitians, how much further? And every time we'd ask that question, how much further, we're closer than we are far. That's all they would tell us. We're closer than we are far. Never gave us a destination or a time frame. And so we continued hiking and hiking. And finally, after six hours of walking, six hours of driving, six hours of walking, finally we make it to a building. And they were so gracious. They fed us and took good care of us right there in that building. And, and a wonderful time. But here's what kept coming to my mind through all of that is don't quit. Just keep on pressing on. And sooner or later, you're going to get to the place. Now, here's the beautiful thing in our Christian life is God will never give you more than you can bear. Never. Uh, God will never give you more than what you can handle in His grace. Now, you can't handle it on your own. And on your own, this is why people quit. They get their eyes off of the Lord, onto people, onto their failure, onto the accuser who day by day accuses them. And so uh, instead of looking to the Lord and finding the grace, you see, you look to God, God will give you grace for anything and everything that you face. There's nothing that you're going to go through, but what God will not give you the grace. And by the way, there's nothing that you're going to go through, but what God didn't allow it. And if God allowed it, he allowed it to do something very special in your life. So the simple thought I'm going to give you tonight is don't ever, ever, 
ever quit. Just keep on keeping on. Now, that's not what I intended to preach tonight, but that's what God led me to here tonight. Just keep on keeping on. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Do what God has told you to do. Stay right where God wants you to stay. Keep on keeping on. Let's bow our heads tonight, every head bowed.